Hello, you're listening to a new episode of The Water Scientists, the podcast of KWR Water Research Institute, in which we get to the bottom of difficult water questions. My name is Tim. And I'm Andrew. And in this episode, we ask Klaas van Raad, scientific researcher on geohydrology, the question, how might a water bank contribute to the sustainability transitions? Welcome, Klaas Jan. Nice to be here. Thanks. Yeah, well, to begin, just briefly, what's a water bank? Yeah, well, to put it very simply, a water bank is a way to organize a balance in the groundwater system. And you do that by uh, organizing recharge to and extraction f- uh, of water from a groundwater aquifer. How could a water bank like this contribute to sustainable management of groundwater aquifers? Well, you know, groundwater depletion is, is a problem worldwide. Basically, we are extracting too much water from aquifers than, than is recharged to these aquifers. You, you could kind of... Uh, um, we'll have the example of a saving account. You know, if you have a saving account and you just draw money from it all the time, but you don't put any money on it, mm-hmm. you'll be in problem at the end. And this is what we have with with our um, with our groundwaters worldwide. Um, so basically, a water bank is is a way to make sure we put enough water on the bank mm-hmm. in the system uh, to make sure we can get water off the bank when we need it. Okay, so I, I immigrated from Australia quite some time ago now, more than 10 years, and uh, back then the concept of managed aquifer recharge was well known, um, and so I'm wondering how this concept of a water bank differs from the more uh, well-known concept of, uh, of man- managed aquifer recharge. Yeah. Well, managed aquifer recharge is, is one of the techniques that are behind a water banking system. Um, so, uh, well, like, like in Australia, there are a lot of manage aquifer systems, you know, systems where we infiltrate groundwater to make sure we, we keep the groundwater levels uh, at, at, a, at a good level. Um, we do that in the Netherlands as well, you know, if you fly to here um, and you, you pass the coastal dunes before landing on, on Schiphol Airport, in the coastal dunes you see all these ponds, that is where we infiltrate water. Oh, yeah. And we, we yeah. infiltrate that water um, to make sure we can extract that water again to produce drinking water. Now that is a technical concept and it works if you have like one organization like a drinking water company that is using that aquifer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it becomes more complicated if you have a lot of users of of the groundwater system. You know, how are you going to organize that there is infiltration, recharge to the aquifer uh, as much as as that you extract water from it. And, And that is where water banking comes in. So water banking is not about a technique, it's much more about organization. Okay, and so um, at the start we mentioned sustainability transitions like the transition to a circular economy, the energy transition, but if we just zoom in on uh, on um, climate mitigation or climate adaptation, um, how could a water bank help deal with the amplification of hydrological extremes that are associated with uh, with climate change? Yeah. Well, as an example, let me take you to the Westland area. Um, this is an area in the Netherlands that I'd like to call the city of glass. So we have a lot of greenhouses, uh, so all paved area. Um, and obviously the greenhouses, uh, we, know we grow our tomatoes, our cucumbers, so very, um, very important for our food production. Um, now with prolonged drought periods, we are in short of, of irrigation water. You know, we, we, we collect all the rainwater, but obviously during a long period, we, we need additional water. So we use groundwater for that um, quite a lot. Um, and, and that is an example, you know, if you, um, if, if you don't recharge it, then you'll just be depleting your aquifer. 
Uh, another problem in the Westland is a lot of pluvial flooding, you know, uh, large uh, rain showers in summer especially uh, with a not so much reservoirs, so um, a lot of rainfall falling in one time, uh, uh, causing flooding. Mm -hmm. um, and the water bank can help solving those problems in kind of in an organized way. Okay, so you actually take the flood water and infiltrate it under the ground. Yeah, what, what, what we do there, or what we will do in a pilot starting next year, is, you know, all the greenhouse farmers, they have their reservoirs, um, where they have a quick storage of rainwater that falls. And what we are working on now is a system, an organizational system, making sure they pump that water from their reservoirs in advance to the groundwater, okay. also in winter, um, to make sure they can use it in summer again. Um, and also organize it, um, you know, th there are farmers who need less water than other farmers because they grow different crops. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, this water banking helps to get an incentive for those farmers with an excess of water to also infiltrate and in that way help balance the aquifer system. So for this transition to a, to a circular economy, there's also uh, the need for more water reuse. And how could a, a water bank uh, contribute to this water reuse? Yeah, well, again, as a, uh, an example from the greenhouse industry in mm -hmm. the Netherlands. Um, Dintelwort is, is a large greenhouse, greenhouse area that has been developed over the, for the past 15 years. And um, authorities, um, you know, wanted the greenhouse industry to develop there, but not to use any groundwater. Um, so, so what we did there was develop a water reuse system where we um, use wastewater from a nearby food industry, have additional purification, store that water in the aquifer, and then use it again uh, in in dry summers when the greenhouse industry um, needs it. So that is a way again organizing it. Um, making use of the aquifer, storing water and promoting water reuse. Okay, but taking wastewater and pumping it underground, that must introduce some, um, some water quality questions. I was wondering when, uh, when it comes to water, research, uh, water reuse, um, the microbiological and chemical water quality aspects, they tend to be very important. Um, for example, we hear about medicines and pesticides causing, uh, causing problems. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you deal with uh, with this sort of water quality issues? Yeah, yeah. The, thanks for this question because it is an important question which is all, uh, often overlooked. Um, now, of course, there are technological ways uh, to deal with this. You know, um, like the example in the dental ord, we have additional water treatment which goes very far, reverse osmosis, nanofiltration. So that almost is like like nano water, uh, purified water. Um, what is very important is, is legislation that we have. Uh, luckily, in, in Europe, we have the overarching Water Framework Directive, which sets um, restrictions uh, or very clear guidelines for the water quality in your, in your aquifer system. So we have to, adopt, to adapt to, to those guidelines. Um, still, at, on the other hand, what we see with, with new techniques coming up, like water reuse, we also see that the current legislation uh, can be a stand in the way. Um, so in, in developing these new concepts, like water reuse, but also water banking, you need to take development of water of legislation um, and policy makers into account. You know, um, take them into your project right at the start of the project, because they can be a deal breaker, whereas taking them from the first start of any project or development. Okay, so the, um, the legis legislative and the, the um financial governance questions are uh, important 
there can also be barriers. But um, just to check, you do have the, the technologies to deal with these microbiological and chemical water quality issues? Yeah, w w we do have the technology. Uh, often technology is not so much the issue, uh, but of course there is cost of technology and cost that you have to make uh, to purify water uh, to such a level that you want to infiltrate it. Um, now, and of course, if, if that pays off, really depends on, on how much water you need, what other restrictions on water use there, there are. So that is kind of of the whole, the whole cost, um, everything that comes into cost. Well, you already gave some examples of uh, well, the water bank here in the Netherlands. Um, but do you have some examples of where this knowledge has been applied uh, internationally? Yeah, well, like... Andrew already mentioned, you yeah. know, uh, concepts like managed aquifer recharge or aquifer storage and recovery, they, they are applied uh, w worldwide in Australia and the Netherlands. Um, uh, Abu Dhabi, for example, um, one of the system's largest uh, drinking water ASR system that we have been involved in as well in, in setting that up and um, checking water quality when you get the water back again from the system. Now, with water banking system, so you know, organizing recharge and uh, um, extractions, that is applied in some areas in the world, mainly uh, the US, Arizona, California, related to drought. Mm -hmm. um, some examples in Australia, and, and now in the Netherlands, we are setting it up uh, for the first time in a coastal aquifers related to well, drought, but actually more related to salinization of aquifers. You know, in coastal aquifers, if you pump too much water out there, um, you have salinization of this aqu those aquifers because of saline groundwater um, getting into your uh, fresh or brackish water aquifers. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's also a technique against the uh, salt water intrusion. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so are there some projects that you're looking forward to in the future? And for which countries might this concept of a water bank be of interest? Well, I'm looking very much forward to uh, the water banking pilot that we are organizing in the Westland. So it, it should start next year. Mm -hmm. and, and this will be the first water banking system applied in a coastal aquifer. Um, so that is a breakthrough for me. Uh, also, it is an example for, for other regions in the Netherlands where we are more inland, where we have groundwater depletion and we really, the answer is in organizing recharge and, and extraction from groundwater. Um, I'm looking forward to, to working in Gisborne, New Zealand as well. We, we've been working there, a coastal aquifer as well, uh, mm -hmm. groundwater depletion, uh, and because of that, salinization of the groundwater, where um, techniques like ASR uh, can also help to balance um, recharge and extraction again. Okay. And what sort of innovations do you see beyond these projects in the, in the, on the longer term? Yeah, well, I, I think we're in the, uh, what I like to call the third ASR revolution. So the third revolution in aquifer storage and recovery, managed aquifer recharge, those, those types of concepts, techniques. Um, in the 1950s in the Netherlands, we started with managed aquifer recharge for drinking water production in the, in the coastal dunes. And in the 1980s, we got ASR for drinking water production. Mm -hmm. And now, kind of in the past 15 years, we've seen these techniques ready for coastal aquifers, and we see those, these techniques ready for, for other sectors, and um, really helping now to get to more circular um, solutions. Um, the greenhouse industry is an example, but also at, at data centers. Uh, you know, they need water, a lot of water for cooling uh, especially in, in summer when there's not much water available, uh, they are looking for other solutions. And um, things like aquifer storage and recovery can really help them and they are coming to us with these types of questions. In this episode, we asked Klaas-Jan Raad the question, how might a water bank contribute to the sustainability transitions? 
and we found that for the transition to more sustainable water services, we see a big need for innovations at the boundary between water governance and water technology. The concept of a water bank is an example of a system innovation of the type that's needed and when the water quality aspects are dealt, dealt with probably, um, this concept has great potential. So thank you for listening to The Water Scientists. You can go to kwrwater.nl slash podcast to subscribe via your favorite podcast app. If you have a difficult water question of your own, feel free to send it to info at kwrwater.nl. Next time, we'll be back with another difficult question and a smart water scientist. Goodbye.